roar of automatic gunfire erupts. It shatters the peaceful hum of the family shopping at the Del High's supermarket in Elst, Belgium. The atmosphere turns from one of weekend leisure to sheer terror in a heartbeat. Parents frantically grab their children. A 45-year-old father tries to shield his wife, Elise, 42, and their children, Tim and Nina, but it's too late. The masked men move methodically throughout the store, their guns spewing death with each pull of the trigger. Eight lives are snuffed out in a matter of minutes. The assailants' motives are unclear. And as abruptly as they arrive, they vanish into the chilling November night. This nightmarish event marks the last known act of the Brabant killers, whose reign of terror left a scar on Belgium's soul. Who are these heartless killers? Stay with us. If your nerves can handle it, we're going to dive into this story. Haunted by unsolved crimes, so brutal that they've left an entire nation in terror. That's the reality for the Belgian public and the investigators who are still grappling with the dark legacy of the Brabant killers. The shooting in the supermarket was not a isolated incident. The nightmarish event was only the final chapter in a series of blood-curdling crimes that plagued Belgium for years. The culprits, a criminal gang known as the Brabant killers, and their span of terror started in the mid-1980s. This wasn't just a group of petty criminals. These were cold-blooded killers who seemed to revel in chaos and suffering that they caused. The Brabant killers, or les tours de Brabant, in French, were definitely the 1980s version of terrorists. They weren't blowing things up, but they were terrorizing. They became responsible for a string of violent robberies, assaults, and murders that left the country in a perpetual state of fear and dread. The gang's modus operandi, which we'll get into, was perplexing and brutal. They stormed commercial establishments, heavily armed and masked, and unleashed a torrent of violence that seemed senseless. Money, sure it was stolen, the brutality inflicted went far beyond what would be necessary for a simple robbery. Were they part of a criminal organizations? Were they lone wolves? Is there a political agenda here? So if you're intrigued by this, make sure you follow the channel for some updates. It's a free way to really support the show and help get the word out there. I truly appreciate all the love. If you're listening to this episode, you're wondering why am I not talking about the radioactive case that I promised? It is upcoming. I just had to do a little bit more research because actually there was an update on the case and stay tuned. I do intend to release it on the following week. So the early crimes were a combination like robberies and assaults. And we'll go into kind of uh, a timeline of that. So March 13 in 1982 in Dinan, Belgium, this is the gang's first known attack. It occurred at a small grocery store and shoppers were just going about their usual business and the door burst open and men in balaclavas armed with military grade weapons stormed in. They fired shots into the ceiling sending customers diving for cover. The cash register was emptied, but not before one of the customers was shot and injured. As quick as they came in again, they were gone, and the community has been shocked. At this point, not really in the loop that there's about to be a spree. This is just the start. So on September 30th in 1983 in Beersel, Belgium, the gang breaks in, and they don't just shoot in the air. They shoot a cashier, customer, both who survives but were completely left traumatized. The gang takes a small amount of cash and takes off into the night. On December 1st, 1983, in Andrelouz, Belgium, the Brabant killers targeted a jewelry store 
Yonor and his wife were both shot and killed and cold blood. The store was looted and witnesses described the killers as cold and methodical. They even took their time selecting specific pieces of jewelry while the owners lay dead on the floor. So during, on May 25th in 1985, there was two supermarkets attacked by the gang in Overeys and eight people are killed, including children. And again, the brutality is escalating. So it started out with the robbery part and some violence. And now like everybody they're coming into contact with is dying for the most part. I can't imagine what the country is going through at this time now because it's been two years of senseless violence by a gang of terrorists just doing whatever they want. The MO of this gang or the modus operandi was not entirely clear probably at the time, but as the years went on and the obviously the fear just instilled in this population, people started to understand more and more and so did the police. In this case, the gang themselves displayed a chilling efficiency and disdain for human life. They were heavily armed, often with weapons that seemed excessive for the crimes they were committing. Victims and witnesses spoke about a methodical, military-like approach to the violence. Money was stolen, but it seemed almost incidental to the gang's true motive, which to this day remains a mystery. They seemed to relish in the chaos and the fear they instilled of firing shots not just to kill, but to terrify. At this point, it's worth mentioning that the gang members were given nicknames based on the descriptions from the witnesses. There's several gang members, but specifically some of the nicknames that were floating around were The Killer, The Giant, and The Old Man. And I'm going to put up a sketch that was circulated to the public of these people. And I don't think it's even known exactly how many members were even part of this gang. But take a look at the information. Maybe one of these people. Maybe it's your grandpa or something. These names do serve as a chilling shorthand and gives a persona to these, almost like comic book persona to these people, and it's so weird. The giant refers to one of the members with taller stature, and the old man is, well, the old man. And the killer, the one, he's the most violent one directly involved in the killings. He's the trigger man. All these attacks led up to the murders and the spree at the grocery store. The body count was slowly rising, and... Belgium had begun to realize that they're dealing with the darkest kind of criminals. The nation, however, was soon to discover that it was about to become even worse. The police were baffled. Despite deploying all the available resources, setting up roadblocks and conducting house-to-house -house searches, the gang seemed to evaporate after each attack. Leads were followed, suspects interrogated, but all of it to no avail. The Brabant killers remain completely elusive, almost like a ghost, leaving behind a trail of bodies and a nation paralyzed by fear. I don't know if people remember, like in the United States, when you had that sniper attacking people back in the... Gosh, I don't think it was in the 2000s. But I remember that level of fear because he was just attacking random people, shooting them from a distance with his son. And it, I can imagine that Belgium was going through something very similar to what the United States was going through at that time. Or maybe in Nova Scotia when, during the start of the pandemic, when you had the 20 people killed in a shooting spree by a guy who was just going around shooting what seemed at the time like random people. It truly, it not only is a, it's like a car wreck that you can't look away from, it's friggin' terrifying. So we're going to get back into the story we talked about in Alst, where they killed eight people in a grocery store in what would be their last spree and sent the investigation into overdrive. So 
they methodically go through this supermarket in 1985, killing men, women, and children. They escape into the night in a well-executed escape plan. It's reported by witnesses at the scene that they actually left in a black Volkswagen Golf. And this was a vehicle that just happened to be stolen days before the attack. So there was no leads there other than people were able to get some sketches and descriptions of the car. Despite the immediate police response that night, there was road and roadblocks set up in the area. The gang still managed to evade. One thing of note is that during this attack, they did take some money, but it was in like a inconsequential amount. The amount of violence and terror they inflicted, this had nothing to do with the money. There's no doubt. Another disturbing detail that comes forward from the witnesses is the overkill. The attackers didn't just shoot their victims. They often shot them multiple times, ensuring that there would be no survivors. This level of brutality is almost was almost unheard of in Belgium at the time. And as a society, people obviously were freaking out. They're like, why are police not protecting us? What are we doing about gun control? And all those things that come up anytime that there's crimes like this or just horrific incidents. So we're going to talk about is like after this attack is like, how did the police try and catch this guy? And what are they still doing today? A massive investigation is launched, involves multiple law enforcement agencies, including federal police, local police, and Interpol, which should have been a concerted effort to solve one of Belgium's most heinous crimes quickly evolved into a quagmire of mistakes, missteps, and missed opportunities. From the outset, the investigation was plagued by a lack of coordination. Different police departments seemed to be working in silos with little to no information sharing. Critical evidence was mishandled or lost, including potential DNA samples that could have identified the killers. Surveillance footage from the Delhi supermarket in Elst was either of poor quality or not properly analyzed, leading to dead ends. This is going to launch me into a small rant, but I see this so much in true kind cases like what's the chances the camera was not working or didn't really get the footage that you're looking for that's why it's a true crime case that's why it's unsolved it's not a coincidence anyhow adding to the complexity were numerous theories that emerged some investigators believe the Brabant killers had connections to extremist political groups possibly conducting acts as a form of domestic terrorism Others speculated that the crimes were an elaborate plot to destabilize the Belgian government. Some investigators believed the Brabant killers had connections to extremist political groups, possibly conducting the attacks as a form of domestic terrorism, meant to destabilize the current political regime, allow for the erosion of the public trust, and eventually a public government could be installed. This is a method often used by more powerful countries to put in governments they want in place to help them. You might recognize this from the Western playbook. I'm just gonna leave it there. So despite all the theories though, none of it is ever substantiated and there's no real concrete evidence. There is a lot of people that are interrogated. There's a lot of witnesses that are interviewed, but nothing concrete. There's some descriptions, some sketches and some photographs circulated, but nothing comes to fruition. Given the extreme nature of the crimes, it was considered that the gang itself might not be from Belgium. It might be an international gang, and they could be operating either in other countries or coming in from another country to commit the crimes. The public 
was living in terror throughout the 80s because of this and it almost seemed like hard to believe like how could these people just escape that's so brazen they're just going into public places and gunning people down years go by with no real leads as to who these people were or nobody or anybody being brought forth to justice the case goes completely cold like i mentioned and it really mars kind of the reputation of the police in belgium and the public kind of loses a little bit of trust in them however that doesn't mean that they haven't made a lot of steps to fix those mistakes there is a lot of theories that they put forth not only the police and the public and that's what we're going to talk about next and I was just hoping while well, I got your attention here, if you want to support the show, I could really use your help right now for season two. We can check out our Kickstarter. We are taking donations. One thing that I'm also offering for anybody there is I do graphic design. So whether it's thumbnails, branding, all that kind of stuff, hit me up either on the YouTube channel or through the email. I can help you out. I need to make a little bit of cash to support the show. I love you guys. Thank you. As we talked about the theories earlier, we're going to go into a little bit. Some people think that there are could have been rogue elements within law enforcement. So given the gang's ability to evade capture time and time again, the precision of their attacks led some people to theorize that the killers had either had inside information or perhaps some of them were police. A lot of allegations were made about corruption in the police force and particularly the now abolished Belgium Jean Damarie. That's just some French words for, it means like a militarized police force, I believe. So the psychopathic killer theory, these are just people straight up that are thrill killers. The picture of the basement kid and his buddies that get together after watching too many 4chan or seeing too many 4chan posts and decide that they want to kill out a thrill killer. And they just, it's for the fun of it. I'm going to go back one thing though and say that I think no matter what, these guys are probably psychopaths. However, so they, this advances a theory that essentially there's people out there that are just so dark that the sheer... The only reason for it is to cause chaos and blood. And then the one theory that some people put forward again is that foreign operatives are responsible for the case. So like part of a foreign spy agency that was conducting acts of terror on Belgian soil. Again, not substantiated, but it could be for purposes that aren't political, that just aren't made aware to the public. It could be to cover up another crime or to cover up another purpose. Like maybe they're, what well, sounds really sick, but like maybe of those eight people that are killed on a certain specific day, only one of them is the intended target and everything else is meant to create chaos to cover up the real activities. It's so crazy, senseless that we can't make sense of it. Not even in this episode. However, that doesn't mean everybody stopped. Like I said, the investigations are um, going to this day to identify who carried out all these crimes. By the end of their spree, I think that they're believed to have been responsible between the murder or deaths of 28 people and the assaults of another 40. So we're not talking about a little bit of crimes. Investigators didn't give up. They investigate, they released some photographs recently, and I wanna get into some of these new developments about the investigation. And I'm gonna put these up on the episode so you can see them. They're either gonna be in the thumbnail or in the video. June of 2020, the Belgian Federal Police released a photograph of an unidentified man who is considered to be a very important person in the Brabant killer's case. This photo is something that's reignited the public interest in the case. I think that 
we're about to see some breakthroughs in this case. I truly believe that one based on the fact that they're releasing these photographs and we'll get into a few more things that have happened. Another layer of complexity is that at the age of 71, a person of interest did pass away. And this suspect whose identity is not disclosed did die without ever being formally charged, who, which leaves investigators and the public to wonder what kind of secrets went to the grave with them. And that serves as a stark reminder of kind of the challenges the investigators face. And the person that dies, died in this case, I think was accused by like another gangster. But I think what we're going to start seeing as people start dying and getting older and developing illnesses and all this shit and life stuff, we're going to start seeing some dark secrets come out from the public. And more and more, I don't think that this is going to remain unsolved. And then lastly, another update, an attorney named Jeff Vermesen received an anonymous letter from a former gendarme law enforcer that stated they did not receive authorization to pursue the killers after the attacks at the supermarket in 1985. Not the one where they killed eight, the one where there was two separate attacks in Dallas. Despite having the vehicles capable of catching up to the assailants, they were ordered to stick their assignments of conducting alcohol tests in the area. This information has been forwarded to an investigating judge and it's going to raise more questions of the case. Again, so we have a whole other layer of complexity, like you're having a police officer from the time that was on duty saying we were told to stand down, which must feel really crappy if that's true to the Belgian public. Like it's a betrayal on the biggest level. And I really hope it's not true. A lot of things in Belgium did kind of change and there's a lot of public debate and study over this incident. There was law enforcement reforms. It left a scar on the public. Like it's become kind of part of the folklore. It's a dark tale that just stays with the country and the population there, especially the people that were alive during that time and can remember the fear they would have felt. This being scared to go to the store, not knowing what was around the corner. Decades later, like I mentioned, we're still seeing information come out with the investigation, but despite over, despite all these theories, we don't have an answer, but I think we're getting close. I hope the families get answers someday because I couldn't imagine the anger I would feel if I was one of them. It would be all consuming. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the theories. If you know anything about this case or if you have any kind of suggestions on why this might have happened please drop it in the comments or send us a message thank you